630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, it's been a lively show tonight. Didn't expect this to happen the day before the Oilers' season opener, but there's been a significant Eskimos quarterback debate on the uh, text line. Uh, This texter says, Reed, I think all people are saying is start Franklin for the next game. Riley's not getting it done. I don't know what it is about Riley, but Dave Campbell flips out when anybody criticizes him. Is he above criticism? I don't think so. What would be the harm of putting Franklin in? If they lose, they've been losing anyway. If they win, good. I'm not saying don't play Riley again. Maybe if he sits a game, he will play better when he comes back. That is a text to 630-630. Darcy, the VAC truck driver, says if Riley had blocking in a run game, there wouldn't be an issue. It is more than Riley. Darcy, the VAC truck driver, adds, a quarterback gets most of the blame and most of the praise. As a husband, I understand half of that, LOL. (laughs) That's pretty funny. And another texter simply says, you're so busy being a smartass, you don't even listen to people. Hey, I'd sooner be called a smartass than a dumbass. That's all I have to say to that. Uh, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. Oilers and Flames tomorrow to kick it off. That's going to be a beauty. Former Flame Theo Fleury is on the line. Theo, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Great. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for bearing with me through those texts. I wanted to give the audience uh, a voice here. That was funny. The second text, I loved it. The husband one? Yeah. Yeah. I get that one, too. Yeah, you know what that's all about, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. How's life, man? You keeping pretty busy these days? Yeah, actually, I'm talking to you from Winnipeg. We just got finished uh, a conference today about uh, trauma, mental health, and addictions with about 200 uh, social workers and teachers and all that, so it uh, it was a great day. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing, you know, how involved you've you've become in in so many people's lives, Theo, after your playing career. And uh, you know, we don't need to tell the whole story again, but you've been very open about about some of your challenges. Um, I mean, is it is is it still as as rewarding as day one when you reach out to people and talk to people? I think it's more rewarding every day because uh, I've seen a lot of change happen in the ten years I've been involved with the subject. You know, when I first started. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Now, more and more people are showing up at events and, you know, talking about their trauma and their mental health issues and, and, and their addiction stuff, too. And, and you know, that's how, that's how you heal is, is you, you get it out in the open. Uh, you know, we have a saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. And, you know, for many years I was carrying around a lot of secrets and I was sick emotionally, physically, and and uh and spiritually and and uh you know when i found my voice that's when i started my healing and uh you know it just continues to get better every every single day the more the more i i'm around people uh who've had similar experiences uh the more i heal myself and that's you know the whole gist of the whole thing and you know that's how it started 10 years ago and uh like i said it just 
it just keeps getting better and better and the conversations get more and more in depth and and uh yeah it's been like i said it's been amazing yeah that, part of it. yeah that is awesome theo i mean i'll say good for you i don't think that that sums up but uh, but i mean i think that's the beginning of 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 just how i want to compliment you for all the work you're doing for sure well i appreciate that very yeah. much yeah, thank, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, yeah. you know, we want to talk a, a little bit of hockey uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be fun tomorrow. Battle of Alberta. I, you know, I, I'm sure you've been following the story a little bit too. The Oilers got this young first-round draft pick. His name's Kyler Yamamoto. He's five foot eight. He mm-hmm. was asked. He's been asked about his size almost every interview. He finally told somebody. <laughs> he goes, "Look, it goes one ear and out the other." Uh, your hockey DB page says uh, you were five six. I, I don't know the last time you, you measured your height, but. You, <laughs> You, you weren't a giant. Uh, did, was there a point you got sick of asking questions about it, or how did you approach that, especially when you were breaking into the league? Yeah, because it's not about size. It's about when I play on the ice, am I effective? Am, do I contribute to the team? You know, am I a team player? Do I play with passion? Do I play with heart and, and, and all of that? That's what it's about. It's not about size. You know, for some reason... and. To be honest with you, the game's built for Kyler Yamamoto. You know, when I was playing, the game wasn't built for me. You know, it was a lot of hooking and holding, and, you know, there was a lot of challenges that way. The guys were bigger. There was You were allowed to slash and hook and hack and, and all of that. So, you know, I, I can see why the Johnny Goudreaux and the Yamamotos of the world are having success in the NHL because the game's built for them now. Let me ask you this. Do you see yourself as an inspiration to other smaller players? Because, Theo, I mean, whether you like it or not, whenever a small guy is, is breaking in, the, you know, they're always like, oh, I wonder if he can be like Theo Fleury. Is he as competitive as Theo Fleury? Can he be as good as Theo? Like, or, do you, yeah. does that does that get old after a while, or do you kind of accept, like, well, maybe I am a bit of the model for a smaller guy? Well, if if a uh, smaller player draws some inspiration from my time in the NHL, then I think it's a great thing. You know, when I, when I broke into the league, I, I was looking up to guys like Matt Nasland and Denny Savard and Dennis Marouk. And, you know, those guys are my heroes. And without those guys, you know, I, I don't know if I would have the same hope or the same uh, belief that I could play. And I knew if those guys could play and have success and, and uh, you know, were contributing to their teams, then, yeah, I had a lot of hope, and, and at the end of the day, as a small player, you just want an opportunity. It doesn't matter what number you get picked in the draft because we know that the majority of draft picks don't make it to the NHL, and they don't. And the ones that do have short careers. So, you know, I, I think it's when you get an opportunity, you have to absolutely make the most of it. And, and obviously uh, Yamamoto has you know, had an incredible preseason, and hopefully he can carry it on, uh, you know, through the regular season. You know, a perfect example is, you know, watching Johnny Goudreau play in Calgary and, and the success he's had in the first three years he's been in the league has been, it's been fun to watch, you know, and, and I want to watch those kind of guys, you know, when I'm purchasing my, you know, my uh, subscription to NHL Center Ice and buying the, the stuff on my phone, you know, when I'm searching through the games, you know, those are the guys I want to watch. Theo Fleury joining us on Inside Sports at 7.13. Obviously, uh, long career with the Calgary Flames and uh, several 
installments, regular season and playoff <laughs> for you of the of the battle. Installment not isn't the right word because uh, an installment isn't very nasty. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, was it was it for you when the schedule came out and and you guys used to play each other eight times back in the late '80s and early '90s? Was it were those the games you looked for first? Was the lead up to those games a lot different than other regular season games? Well, if you were going to be a member of the Calgary Flames, you better play good against the Edmonton Oilers, otherwise you're going to be in Salt Lake, you know. And that, and not only that doesn't matter whether it's football or minor sports or you know the nhl you know the the rivalry between calgary and edmonton is is there and and uh you know the very first game i played against the edmonton Oilers was on hockey night in canada i scored my first two nhl goals it was first start in the game and and that went a long ways in, in helping the flames organization come to the realization that i could be a full-time nhl hockey player and so you know, those are the games you want to play in. If you're a professional athlete and, and you want to be the best at what you do, of course you're going to circle those games on the calendar because you find out a lot about yourself when you're playing in those games. And, and uh, you know, both teams, uh, you know, we made each other better. And it looks like, you know, we're back in that new era where, you know, we don't have a Connor McDavid, but we have a lot of, you know, really, really great young players, Monaghan and Goudreau and Sam Bennett. We acquired, you know, Travis Hominuk. Now we have two sets of defensemen that could play against Connor McDavid, make it hard for him to play. And, and now we have some goaltending too. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing, uh, you know, how this all sort of transpires this year. Was there an oiler that particularly got under your skin or you really, really wanted to try to get the best of Theo? No, I, I think more importantly, you're trying to win the game. And obviously there's going to be interpersonal uh, battles and conflicts, uh, you know, throughout the game. But, you know, <clears throat> for me, I had to play against Bukaboop and Smith every shift. And when I lined up on the right side, there was Asatikin in there. So, you know, I knew... Uh, who I was playing against every single shift. And, and the night before the game, I, I mentally prepared myself to, to go to battle, to go to war, and, and do whatever it took to, you know, to make our team successful. Is it true that t- you couldn't really understand what Tikkanen was saying when he was trying to trash talk you? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really tough. To, but I don't even think they could find an interpreter because, you know, he spoke... Finish, but it was his own type of, you know, what did they call it? Tekanese is what they called it. So, but he was fun to play against, you know. I love playing against guys who are competitive because, you know, when those guys were competitive, uh, it made me sort of elevate my game to another level. It's something that, you know, you, you realize that you had more to give and you could dig deeper and, and find, uh, find new ways to, you know, sort of navigate uh, uh, on the ice so that you could be successful. Yeah, awesome stuff. Theo, I know you're busy, so thanks for fitting us in tonight. But, uh, you know, I love getting your thoughts on, on Yamamoto and, and the Battle of Alberta. You know, I, I 
just quickly here, I had a texture a couple years ago when like the Oilers were 27th and the Flames were 26th and they were playing each other. And the te- yeah. I wish I remember the texter's name because I use this line all the time. He said, Reed, quit calling it a battle of Alberta. It's a pillow fight of Alberta. I think yeah, the, exactly. we could put the pillows away now. It's back to being a battle. So enjoy it, yeah. man. Well, I, I hope that, uh, you know, the, you need bad blood in order for a rivalry to really, you know, uh, be like it was when we played. Because I know when I was putting my equipment on and I was getting ready to go out against the Battle of Alberta, I wasn't getting ready to play a hockey game. I was going to war, and and that was that, that's what made the game fun was playing in those games and and knowing that uh, you know you were gonna have to you were gonna have to find everything every ounce of energy and. And all that. So it would be great if those two teams got, you know, back to some sort of a semblance of, of the Battle of Alberta. Well said, Theo. Thanks so much for your time. Keep doing the great work that you're doing, and I hope we can do this again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate it. That is Theo Fleury checking in tonight from Winnipeg. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his story is well told, and he continues to reach out to a lot of people and help them through tough times in their lives. And he's ready for tomorrow's showdown. Oilers hosting the Flames. It's Furnace Family Oilers Hockey on 630 Chet. Furnace Family, Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We'll have the face-off show at 6 tomorrow night. The game will start at 8. It is 718 Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6.30 Chet. Now 4-3 for the Yankees. Top of the third leading the Twins. American League wildcard game. Twins jumped out to a 3-0 lead. Yankees came right back and tied it and then eventually took the lead. I was looking at the NHL predictions by the USA Today Sports Department. Six of their writers did predictions. Five out of the six have the Oilers winning the Pacific Division. One guy picked the Flames. Three of the six have the Oilers winning the Western Conference. You got two for Nashville, one for the Ducks. Two of the six have the Oilers as the Stanley Cup champions. You have two Nashvilles, one Pittsburgh, and one Anaheim also in there. And, of course, this will all mean absolutely nothing once the season starts tomorrow. But it's fun for now. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Thanks for the text coming in about the Theo Fleury interview. Uh, <laughs> including one from Brian who says, as much as I like Theo Fleury, the Flames still suck. Well, and he wrote suck with about 10 U's, 3 C's, and several K's. But I'm not going to try to say it that way. Your Oilers report is presented by Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day, Nisku Ford, above expectations. General Manager Peter Shirelli meeting the media today for some preseason discussions. Of course, he was asked about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Big year for the Nuge. Uh, it's, you know, it's last year statistically wasn't a great year for him. Um, there are a lot of elements of his game with and without the puck that I liked. Uh, I know he's under scrutiny um, by a, a lot of different people. Um, uh, it's important for him. And, and as I've said before, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know about our cap situation next year. You know where there's some big numbers hitting the books next year. It doesn't mean that he's the one to, to pick on, but, but I understand 
why I'm being asked about him a lot, and so he's under some pressure that way. All right. Well, no doubt about that. Hopefully, Nugent Hopkins has a has a good season. He'll need to do better in the uh, face-off circle. Clearly, though, Todd McClellan said today, face-offs aren't all on the centers. The wingers got to help out as well. For the Oilers, I, you know, I think they got some reliable offense from Drysital and McDavid. Shirelli was asked, "Who's going to be the secondary scorer?" Well, you want depth right through the lineup, and um, I mean, I guess it, you know you want your second line to, especially if they're going to be fo- if, if Leon's playing up, uh, they're going to be focusing on that first line more. Um, so you, you, you think by default the matchups for the second line will be lesser, but uh, there's just the players, the teams are deep, and they're they're going to have a most teams are going to have a good second matchup line, so it, it does place more importance on that line. Um, whether it's Nuge in the middle or whether Leon drops down is in the middle. Um, you want secondary scoring. Um, you, you want you want the ability even for that line to check when you're in visiting teams' ranks. So if we're going to contend, uh, you need that line. You need the third line too, and you need the fourth line. All right, Peter Shirelli, and of course you can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Daryl Cates, the owner of the team, was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. That's available on the Ched website too. A lot going on. Anton Slepeshev sent to the Bakersfield Condors. If you missed that, Jack Eichel with the Sabres. His extension that'll kick in for next season. Eight years, $80 million. He had 57 points last year, but he did it in 61 games. Obviously a really good player. By the way, you can just go to NHL.com slash stats. We had Benny Ercolani on earlier about them compiling all the box scores going back to 1917. And you can just, there's a little tab there that has, you know, historical results and old playoff results. Click on that. It brings up everything. It's pretty cool to look at. Well, this will be pretty cool. Dave Lumley in studio. Thoughts on the Oilers and probably life, too. That's when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. That was the Nuge, one of the guys who will, as Peter Shirelli said, be under scrutiny this season. But hey, they all are. They play pro hockey in a Canadian market, as did this guy, Dave Lonely, checking in. Hey, Dave. Hey, how are you, man? Oh, now, I'm doing before great. we get going, yes. Jack Eichel signed what? Uh, eight years, $80 million. And so how many starts- points did he have? 57, but he only played 61 games. So point per game, he was in the Leon range. So not that I'm venting or I'm sour or anything, but I had 32 and 42 one year, signed a three-year deal for 150000 a year. How times have changed, huh? Well, it's a little different. What did Leon get? He had 76 points, Leon got 77 points. Yeah, he was eighth in the league in scoring. And, and he million. got eight and a half per year. Yeah. Okay, they owe me like seven million dollars. They, they owe you a little bit. Well, <laughs> put it on your expense form. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, we you know, we were talking about the, the the scrutiny a little bit. I mean, guys were, and you know, I, I said it the other night, and I, I know some listeners got mad at me, but it was true. Last year, all Rob and I heard about after games was from the people who didn't like Jordan Eberle. Now, this year, we're, all, we're, we're only going to hear from the people who loved him and didn't want him traded. Because oh. the people who agree with the, the manager never, never texted well, him. Well, look at, at the number of people that said for years, why can't we go get Lucic? And then we get him, and he has a tough time you know, getting acclimated to the, the yeah. style of play. And, and now everybody wants to get rid of him. It's, I know it's wacky. Uh, did, it, uh, did it ever get to you? 
the 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 like I, there wasn't the social media when you were there, but there were the TV crews. There the fans were knowledgeable and and wanted wow. everything. What bad things could they say about us back then? Well, but still, you had to be like I can I can remember as a kid even. Um, I remember one year, the, the, I, I can't remember if you were on the team, but it was in the middle of the Cups. They lost the first game of the year, and it was like, oh, they were lazy. What were they doing all summer? You know, like, things get picked apart, right? Well, of course. That's it's the nature of the beast in this town. I mean, we were so spoiled years ago, and uh, we've waited a long time, but it's looking better, isn't it? It's, well... It was an exciting spring. Boy, those playoffs were so much fun. Yeah. I remember, uh, I may have mentioned this the last time, we, we had that outdoor game in Winnipeg. Yep. And the night, be- on the Friday, we played our game on the Saturday and the, the, the current Oilers played on Sunday. But we all went out for dinner on Friday night. And uh, Bob Nicholson came to me and says, Lummer, make sure you guys mingle. Don't, you know, just you guys, the alumni sit at one table and, you know, the current team at another. So I'm sitting there and I've got uh, Everly to my left and McDavid. And to my right, I've got Dreisaitl and Nurse. And I'm telling them, I'm saying, listen, you guys, you just got to make the playoffs. That's all. You won't believe what happens to this town. It just goes bananas. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I said, no, I'm serious. This town will be upside down. Like there'll be flags and conk and horns. And and then I saw them on the blue line for a national anthem. And they're looking at the crowd and they're going like, holy, f- right. I think they got it now. <laughs> and you get a taste of that, you know. And uh, I think they're going to be hungry this year. Well, and that's, and that's what I had Kelly Rudy on. We had the Shirelli clip. And the expectations are there. The pressure's there. That's part of being a pro athlete or doing any, anything at a high level. The great, and Sh- both Shirelli and Rudy use the same word, embrace it. I mean, the, the guys that it bothers or shy away from it, they usually don't win. you got to embrace it. Well, and you've, Todd McClellan's a real key to this whole deal, too. I mean, he's got such a structure in place now. And if you now you put talent within that structure... And, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this team. I really do. Well, okay, so, you know, as an ex-player, when you talk about structure for McClellan, what are some of the key things you see in terms of how they... Because to me, they look more organized, but I can't break it down with the detail as somebody who's been on the ice. Oh, I mean, some of the things are so simple, like uh, third man high in the other team's end. I right. mean, you'd think that it just, you know, they've grown up through minor hockey and they've had so much coaching, and you'd think it'd be a simple, simple thing. But it's not. Back-checking. Look at Jordan Eberle. You know, two or three times last year, he lets his guy go, and the guy goes in and scores. A lot of it's mental. You just have to pay attention all the time. You have to be focused on, like, 100% of the time. And I think Todd McClellan's working on that. One of the phrases Todd uses that, that I like is he says, look, five or six shifts are going to decide the game. It might be yours. So you might as well treat it like it could be the most important shift in the game. Might not be. But why, why take the chance? Well, especially if you're a leader on the team. I mean, you have to go out and give it everything you got every shift. Third and fourth line guys, they're worried about their jobs. You know, there's a lot more depth in the organization now, so they're going to have to go out and give it a, give it their all every every shift. So it's a great combination out there, I think. Uh, Yamamoto, what do you think so far? Oh, man crush. <laughs> yeah, man crush on Yamamoto. Eh? I saw him. Was it the Memorial Cup Spokane was in? I can't remember where I saw him on TV, but... Uh, was well, watching. Seattle went them, but yeah, he would have been. Yeah, Seattle. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he just stuck out so much. I didn't know. I didn't even know his name. Yamamoto, like, who? who is this kid? Yeah. And then we drafted him, and he started hearing all the things. And, and what, do you have 99 points last year? 99 Virginia? points. It's a magic number, that 99 here games, in Edmonton. Yeah. So, right. you know. So do you, do you think, I mean, and we had Theo Fleury on, and 
you know, yeah. Theo was like, whatever. I was a small guy, but I, you know, I knew I could play. You got to be able to play. Did, did, did you look at the the size of a guy and think, ah, oh, I don't know if he can ha- stand up to it, or is that just a passe attitude? No, I mean, if you watch him, I mean, he's got such a low center of gravity and he uses it. Like he can just spin off guys really quick, and he doesn't get himself in those situations where he's going to get hammered. Mm-hmm. He got hit a couple times this preseason. Yep. He'll learn to keep his head up pretty quick. But uh, I just. He sure threw a monkey wrench into all their plans with Puliyarvi not playing as well in camp, and Yamamoto having the camp that he did. Mm-hmm. Things have turned sideways a little bit. So do you, do you, he's going to start with Nugent Hopkins and Lucic the way they have the lines now with Todd. And Todd says it; he, he doesn't wait to shuffle the lines. If they're having a bad game, some yeah. guys are playing great. He'll group them together to to, to get everybody going. Uh, I, I mean, do you think now once we get into the regular season, things are tougher? You're not going to see as many. AHL or backup goalies, you know, do you think he can still work in that environment? I don't know. He could be the key to the whole deal here, I think. Right. Like if you, McDavid and Drysdale, if they can play together, well, they're magic, right? Sure. Now you've got Lucic and, and uh, Nugent Hopkins in the second line. Well, Lucic had trouble scoring five on five. Mm-hmm. Nugent went stretches of 12, 14, 16 games without a goal. Mm-hmm. Maybe they put Yamamoto on that line and he creates a little magic. It could be the second line they've been looking for because. Th- I'm a little worried about the secondary scoring. You look on the th- at the third and fourth lines on paper, I don't see a lot of goals there. But if he can come in and you know fit in with those two other guys, it could be it could be a great line. So you're like you're not at all reluctant to keep him for the whole season. Like if he gets well, I'm not a salary cap guy. Either, right, eh? the, right. There's there's problems you're, you're, with that. Right. Uh, you, you know you burn an entry year of his contract if he stays longer than nine games. But uh, I'm just I'm happy to see. A guy that has a good camp make the team. I, I think back of one training camp I had. There was Craig McTavish at center and uh, a guy named Ramos Sumanen on left wing yeah, I remember on him. our line. Yeah. And in, we were split up into teams, and we had four little games, and we had a little tournament. All three of us had 16 points each in four games. <laughs> what a great third. I thought, this is a perfect third line. Yeah. We didn't play one shift together in the regular season. Really? Because everything was all already carved in stone. Oh, really? So you never even got not one shift. So who were you with? That not year? one minute. Well, you 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 moved around too, right? Like, yeah. I was always with Dave Hunter, or Semenk, <laughs> Kevin McClellan at center. McTavish played the odd time at center. Yeah, it was always Hunts and me. We should touch on it because we haven't talked. I mean, that was that was tough with with. Oh, with Sammy. Yeah. Oh, geez. You know, I don't want to say of all the guys, but of all the guys, yeah, he was so popular. Easily the most popular guy on the team. Nobody had a bad word to say about him. He loved his new ambassador role with the yeah. Oilers. And it just came on so quick. They, we kind of kept it in the family and, you know, kept it under wraps for two or three weeks. And I spoke with him, like, on a Monday night because yeah, we had been auctioned off to do this, you know, thing, a dinner with some people. And, and I said, you got to be ready by September 27th. we got to go for dinner with these guys. And he says, I'll be ready. And Tuesday, he was saying he's trying some new treatment out and thank God for painkillers, quote, unquote. And we'll talk soon. And Thursday, he died. It was yes. that quick. It was just, yeah, it was crushing. Best fighter you, well, your time in the league, best fighter there was? Well, I think. I mean, I'm partial. You're, cause, you're biased. Cause you're he bailed me out like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, I need help over here. <laughs> it was great. Dave Lumley in studio, Inside Sports on uh, on 630 Chet. All right, uh, we're going to uh, take a break. If you have a uh, text for Dave Lumley, we got a few. I won't be able to get to all of them. You can text 630-630. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, Battle of Alberta, and who knows what else.
This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. American League wildcard game. For those of you who think baseball games take too long, you're right. This game started almost two hours ago. It's in and what the bottom inning? of the third. Top? It's in the bottom no. of the third, Dave. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Dave Lumley is in studio, former Edmonton Oiler. Uh, Real quick, Kevin Lowe and I went to an Expo game one time. Oh, nice. He had seven beers and seven hot dogs and seven innings. <laughs> he was first star. <laughs> oh, it was fun. That's incredible. Uh, so that would have been, were Reigns, Dawson, Carter there? Or were they already gone? I no, a couple remember. of guys would have been there. I had seven beers, too. I can't so you were, you were, it was a fun game. <laughs> I had eight hot dogs. Uh, Brian says, uh, are you kidding, Reed? I'm 56 years old. I grew up in the Oilers' heydays on sports radio. There were thousands of calls. Messier's terrible. Get rid of him. Paul Coffey's soft. Can't play defense. Get rid of him. Yari Curry is soft. Nothing without Gretzky. Grant Fewer lets in terrible goals. Well, now those guys are Hall of Famers. That's from Brian. <laughs> but Dave Lombley was never criticized on sports radio. Oh, never. No, no, no. Well, back then, there was hardly any... Sp- John Short was, John Short was, was guy. the legend. You know, Dick Chubay of the, of the Edmonton Sun and Jim Matheson of the Journal. Who was still plugging they away. They followed us around, and Rod Phillips, of course. Everything was kept in-house. Like, we, did, we never heard any of that stuff, really. And every game... It's probably different, too, because every game wasn't televised, Right. Yeah, that's true. So I, I got to tell a quick story, not to steal Uh-oh. your thunder as you being the guest. Feelings? But, but no, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was doing, uh, I was working at City TV a few years ago, and I did a feature on Rod Phillips, and I interviewed Kevin Lowe, and Kevin once was injured and couldn't go on a road trip, and uh, so they listened to the games on the radio, and they there was one game, it was like I don't know four three or something, and and then the guys come back from the road trip, and Lowe and this other guy would be like, man, what an incredible game in Detroit. And the guys were like, what are you talking about? That was the sloppiest, worst played game. But they were listening to Phillips calling oh. it, and he made it sound oh, like no. it was like... He's the biggest homer of all time, Rod Phillips. Great guy. There's nothing wrong with that. No. I don't, I don't mind when people call me a homer because I'm like, yeah, I live in Edmonton. I want Edmonton teams and athletes to win. Why wouldn't I? I no, it doesn't... Like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm critical when it's required, but... You don't have to be that critical. Well, like we're all Edmonton fans. Yeah, I mean, so I it's like, every why, why would I not? What, what do you want me to come in here and tell? Say, I want the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> if I had a choice, no, I want the Oilers. Of course, I want the Eskimos to win the Grey Cup. Of course, I want all the Edmonton athletes who become Olympians to win medals. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Well, we had a, um, we went up to Lac La Biche. There's probably eight or nine of us of alumni went up to Lac La Biche this past weekend. Played against the Calgary Flames alumni. Was there a fight? No, but there was one guy trying way too hard, and this is old-timers, right? But we beat him, I think it was 5-2. I had a goal and assist my first two shifts. <laughs> I coasted from there <laughs> on. just coasted to the finish But, line. you know, it was, and it, this is the relationship the Oilers have now with the alumni. It's, like, it's really awesome. It's, it's a small thing, but it's such a big deal to us. We get up there. They had brand-new hockey bags for us. They had these, the deep, dark blue, like they're different colors for the Oilers now, right? Okay, yep. Deep, like dark blue with the the orange piping and the orange Oilers on the back and orange hats with, on the the brim, they had a little circle with the number 27 for Dave Semenko on them. Oh, yeah. So we're in an autograph signing session and we looked like aces. And the Calgary Flames, like one of the guys said, holy mackerel, you guys got your together. Yeah. And and I said, 
well, I didn't say it to his face. I said, you guys look like a bunch of bums. Like, I'm so proud to have been an oiler, but that day, like, we looked good. And it just happened to be the Calgary Flames. So, well, that's bummer nice. for them, eh? That's I nice. felt so bad. <laughs> uh, I, I can see the uh, Battle of Alberta has not diminished in your mind. You're, you're still fighting it? No. <laughs> Although, I may have told this story before. Where we were up in Fort McMurray and we went out for dinner. There was Joel Otto. Theo Fleury, Jim Poplinski. Yeah. And one of the guys at the dinner table said to Pepper, like, do you guys still hate each other? And Pepper said, well, no. I mean, it's so long ago. Like, take Lumber, for example. I mean, he broke my nose, and I've forgiven him a long time ago. Well, I remember when I did that, because he was ragged. I said, you were ragdolling Kenny Lindsman, who was a foot shorter. He said, not that time, the other time. And I'm thinking to myself, I broke his nose twice. I broke his nose twice. <laughs> a long time ago, though. That's incredible. But you, is it possible for you to be civil with those guys now? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We get along great. We went to Yellowknife. There was, and here's an example of what winning a cup does for you. We're up there. There's Jamie McCown, Colin Patterson, Dana Merzen, and Perry Barazan. Not household names, but they were all part of that cup winning team in 89. And they've been living off it ever since. You know, and they're good guys, really good guys. Yeah. Jamie McCown's a hoot. He's really funny. Like good sense of humor or just wild man or what? Wild man, all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> just check, check all the boxes. Now, I don't know if this is true, and I, probably, I hope this isn't being heard in Calgary, but he was always the last guy to leave the bar down there and apparently still is. And he left like one night at about 1130, hopped in a cab. And they're thinking, holy mackerel, he's finally growing up. Well, he comes back in the cab about 45 minutes later. They go, what are you doing? I wanted to take out, make sure there was no check stops on my way home. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard it from a couple of different sources. Uh, this texture says uh, Anderson was the most underrated oiler. He was awesome. He was like a cat on skates the way he dangled. That's what we need now to win the cup. Okay. Well, <laughs> underrated? He's in the Hall of He's Fame. In the, I know. How much <laughs> underrated can you be? <laughs> well, that this texture was obviously an Anderson fan. and But the thing is, there, there were... Several players on your teams that if they went to probably 17 other teams in the league out of the 21, they would have been the best player on that team. I mean, Messier would have been the best player. Yeah, well. I, I mean, mean for, a while, for a while, would you not say the three best players in the league were Gretzky, Lemieux, and Messier, and two of them played on the Oilers? Could until be, Until Wayne yeah. got traded? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mess was my idol. I mean, I've never seen a guy go from being an 18-year-old moron to, <laughs> to one of the greatest leaders in sports history, I think. I just, you know. How did he do it? Just grew up, eh? Just matured, and that competitive, that heart, eh? Took over. Embraced and it, could perhaps? Almost, exactly. He embraced show. it. He knew the role on the role that he had in this team. He was as much a leader as Gretz was, and uh, and he just took it upon. He just took the bull by the horns and just ran with it, eh? Like you said, embraced it. Perfect word for it. All right. So who has to be that guy this year? I mean, look, we know McDavid's yeah. the, the captain. He embraces it. Does, who 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 needs to step up in your mind? Well, there's different, like Lucic is just his glare out there, you know, right. that he steps up in that way. Cassian, he's got that one screw that's just a little bit loose, eh, and everybody knows it. But Connor McDavid, he's the he's the key to the whole deal, and he just looks grown up now, eh? Like, it's, he's only a year later, year older, but he's starting to grow into a, being a man, and like he's going to be taken seriously. See, that's the one thing I say, and, and, and people ask me, well, there were so many Oilers that had career years, can they do it again? And I'm like, you know what? That's a valid question because, you know, Latestu's in his 30s. Maroon had never scored to that level before. Can he do it? He, you know, even Talbot to some extent, though that guy busts his butt. But I'm like, well, Drysdale and McDavid had career years, but there's only 
one other year for each guy to compare yeah. it to. I mean, they could they could still be going up here. Well, there is uh, there's a lot of hope going on here. Like we we hope that Patty Maroon can score 27 sure. again. We hope that you know Clefbaum can be the defenseman that everybody thinks he's going to be. We hope Connor McDavid doesn't get hurt because then we're well, in big but any trouble. team faces that with exactly. Best player, right? But there's a you know, there's a lot of hope putting the lines together, and there's something always niggling at me. Just looking at that lineup last year in the playoffs, it seemed like everybody kind of fit. There were the roles, and like everybody didn't really do that much. But guys were. Do you think there might there. be that? You think the manager might have to make a in-season tweak this year? This is the thing. It's the problem with putting together a puzzle. Huh? You got all these little pieces. It kind of reminds me of Survivor, the TV show, when they you know they put all these pieces together and they stand back. We got it. No, that's not right. And I just, it just doesn't seem quite right. But yet. you're talking to this relative to becoming a great team, not. You don't think you, like. You, you, well, they're not going to make. They're not going to miss the playoffs. Right. Yeah, we're not going. But that that's far. The, that's the debate now is how do you actually become? Like it's a champ. And, and the timing I think is perfect. They're on the rise, and there's a lot of teams in the West that are going that's the other point. way. The I, the East is stronger now. I don't think there's any debate. Like Vancouver's horrible now. I mean, and they're in a division with an expansion team. Yeah, and they're not to play it. And Colorado, of course, is bad. Yeah. I think Chicago's on the way down. St. Louis got a lot of injuries. They might not make the playoffs. This is great timing. Dave, thanks for coming in, man. It's hey, great my pleasure. to see you. That is Dave Lonely, former Edmonton Oiler. We have the Oilers and Flames tomorrow night on 6.30. Chad, special face-off show at 6. At 6.30, we'll have a recap of the Oilers offseason. The game will start at 8. Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer, Rob Brown all joining me. Thanks to Dave Lonely, Theo Fleury, Benny Ercolani, and Kelly Rudy. Thanks to everybody who texted. Great discussion. This has been Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer. I'm Reed Wilkins. Talk to you tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.